Welcome to No Truth Culture, where you know truth or you have no truth. I'm your host, Mr. Misunderstood, and I'll be having the distinct privilege and honor of helping you rip the Band-Aid off when it comes to all things truth in culture today. As always, to stay up to date with all things No Truth Culture, you can go to our website at links.thebigtimeusa.com or click on the link in the show notes or the episode description. To help support us here financially, you can go to our website at links.thebigtimeusa.com or click on the link in the show notes or episode description. And once on the website, click on support. Well, without further ado, buckle up and get ready because it's time to rip the band-aid off so the truth can set you free. Welcome back to the program. Have a lot to cover on this week's episode. So we're going to get right into it with the topics of the week. First, going into getting your mind right. Bible trivia for the week. And the question will be this. The question answered will be this. Who wouldn't let go until he was blessed? You have to stay tuned because you don't know when that answer is going to come your way. So you don't want to miss it. Next, we'll move into the real blessing. Hmm, That's going to be an interesting one. Love after a long, long look. Hmm, Flawed humans being used by God. Hmm, That's interesting. Glorification. Then we'll dive into finishing strong, turning manure into fertilizer. That's a fun one. And we'll finish up with the send-off, the feel-good story of the week. We have a tremendous amount of ground to cover, so we're going to dive right into it. And first things first, the overall theme of the episode for the week is blessing. So that is the mind that we're going to be entering into. So it should be interweaved in in and throughout the entirety of the program. So... Just uh, be on the lookout for that. But diving right into getting your mind right, let's take a look. Understand that our mind is a real battlefield. So what took 40 years should have taken a number of days to do. So basically the Israelites took 40 years to get to the promised land. And it took them so long because their minds weren't right. So God basically had to tell them, I can't take you the short way. I have to take you the long way. Because if I take you the short way, your minds aren't right. And you're just going to go back to what you, what's familiar and what you know. So basically, don't let the devil run freely in your mind because the results will be tragic. Instead, rebuke him. So that's, you know, pretty powerful stuff because I don't feel like I do that enough. So I'd be willing to bet you don't do that enough and understand that the battle Satan wages is against your mind. And you can read Proverbs 23, 6 through 7 to help solidify that point. So who people are isn't what they show you. It's what's in the heart and mind and is shown to you by what they say and by how they act. It's not shown by what they say. It's shown by how they act. Let me make that clear. 
and in how they treat you, others, and God. So, you know, words are cheap. Don't, don't always listen to what people say. Look at, watch what they do, because that will tell you who they really are. Because actions always follow thoughts. So my question to you is, what are you thinking about? Without God being a check and a balance in your life, that which you're thinking about will eventually be or end up in your life. So basically, what you're thinking about is going to be who you become. And it's going to be what ends up being a part of who you are and your identity and what's in your life and who you surround yourself with and what you do and so on and so forth. You don't really live where you are physically. You live where your thoughts are. Even right now, as I'm speaking, are you actually listening to me or are you on your phone? And is that where you really are right now? That's basically what I'm getting at. If the devil can bring your body but not your mind to church, he can rob you of all God wants to do in and through your life in that service. It's psychokinesis, the ability to influence the physical with the mind. Your mind is a powerful thing. As someone thinks, they will become. Take your mind back from the devil. Hallelujah. It's time to take your mind back. If you want to be spiritual and grow in your relationship with God, then you must act and keep effective. So you must get and keep effective in your walk, in your obedience, in doing what God wants you to do and being a man or a woman of God. And you must keep your mind right. The Bible says this is vital for believers to be doing this so they can be effective effective for God, effective for opportunities, so on and so forth. You can look at it in 2 Corinthians 10 verses 4 through 5. So bring your thoughts into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's basically what 2 Corinthians 10 4 through 5 states. In other words, arrest your thoughts, hold them captive. Tell the devil, no, I'm not going to think this way. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to allow you to hold my thoughts or to get me to think a certain way. I'm arresting these demonic and evil thoughts and strategies from the pits of hell because they will have no bearing over my heart, my mind, and my soul any longer. I'm taking dominion and I'm taking my mind back. God won't ever lead you to a place where someone will kill you. He'll protect you. Replace the fear in your mind with faith and you'll be so much more better off in life. Let me restate that. Replace the fear in your mind with faith and you'll be so much more better off in life. This is powerful stuff. It's mind-blowing. It's changing. It'll help you in so many powerful ways. You make the devil mad and God must be glad. So you make the devil mad and God must be glad. Read 1 Peter 1.13. You got to gird up. And gird up simply means to gather it up. So gird up the loins of your mind. Loins means your strong place. So gather up all the loose things in your mind. And like I just said, take your mind back. God gives us his word, but he doesn't decide for us. And the devil tempts us, but he doesn't decide for us either. You decide for yourself. So it's up to you to arrest your thoughts and get your mind right. 
you'll get tired of the world eventually. Just don't get tired of it too late to where you're 75 and your life is already done. Get tired of it now. Let Christ turn your life around now. When, when your mind gets right, so does your life. As someone thinks, so they become. When you start thinking right, your life gets right. Philippians 2 verse 5. Use Jesus as a mental blueprint as to how you direct your life. You'll go through so much unnecessary difficulties when you don't get and keep your mind right. This generation has an inebriated mind problem, which simply means the mind's weak. In this generation, the inebriation of the mind is entertainment. It's TV shows. It's alcohol in excess. It's drugs. You're giving these things access to your mind to the devil. So be aware of this. What makes you laugh actually could very well be killing or hurting your brain cells. Getting high allows your cognitive ability to go right out the door. The devil wants your mind. Understand we're in spiritual warfare and your mind is the battlefield and that the devil is a liar. People will spread all, spend all kinds of money on fancy things but no money on books that'll train their minds in a good and godly way. Is this you? Oh, those are simple fix. Buy some books that will help you. You want to become a better speechwriter? Buy books on becoming a better speechwriter. You want to make money and to make something of your life? Buy a book that helps you become that or to do the things that you want to do. You want to understand Word or PowerPoint or Access or Excel? Read books. They'll help you. You must invest in things that'll help you win the mind battles because the devil is doing everything in his power to seduce your mind and is very, very creative in doing so. Whoever controls your mind will control your life. It's just that simple. When God takes you out of bondage, stop having a bondage mindset. Again, it's just that simple. 1 Kings 19, 1 through 3. I recommend you read it. When Elijah saw in his mind, because he allowed his thoughts to control him, he panicked and ran for his life. And all it was that he played at and in his mind were words written to him by Jezebel from her messengers. And all he had to do was rebuke, rebuke, arrest, and take back control of his mind. But he didn't do it. And this was the end of his ministry. He's one of the most powerful prophets in all of the Bible. And yet this was his downfall, is his mind. The devil was able to attack his mind because God couldn't use him anymore after this. So utterly and terribly tragic and avoidable was this whole entire situation. Don't let this happen to you. Again, take your mind back and arrest your thoughts, and pull down strongholds, and have the victory God intends for you to have. This is, this is simple. This is powerful, but so simple stuff. If you're going to live effectively for God, you must do, number one, get your mind right and on God, and bring things to Him. Bring your problems, bring your pains, bring your sufferings, bring things to God because the devil doesn't want you to involve God in any ways, shapes, or forms, but he does, God does want you to involve him. Number two, start thinking about the things you think about. Have awareness of where your mind goes. Examine and audit your mind. 
Don't just think about things without examining what it is you're thinking about, because then you won't know that you need God's help. Number three, renew your mind. Bible says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind and not to be conformed by or to this world in any ways, shapes, or forms. And renewing your mind simply means to get rid of the old pathways in your brain and make new ones. You can stay on the old paths or cut new ones. It's like a lawnmower in the brain. You're cutting down the old pathways in your brain. You're mowing them down. The grass has grown. It's long. It's plush. It needs to be mowed down. And you need to create new paths. Change the way you think and the way you talk. And you'll be transformed by God. Number four. Protect your mind from the things that influence your mind and be aware of what you're allowing into your mind. And remember, number five, the devil is a liar. Amen. Most of the things in your head are not true. So stop allowing the devil to convince you otherwise. There's an old saying, 90% of the things you worry about, they don't ever happen. It's just the devil making your life miserable and unhappy. So take your mind back. Hallelujah. Take dominion over your mind. Be open with Christ and tell him you haven't been a good steward of your mind and give it to him. Like I said, this is really simple stuff here. You know what I'm saying? This is extremely powerful stuff, but it's extremely simple as well. And so you have to take your mind back because the devil, he wants to destroy your mind. He wants you to give up, to give in, and to never, ever succeed in any ways, shapes, or forms. So you can't allow that to happen. You have to have the victory and take the victory back. And it begins with taking back your mind. Moving right into the Bible trivia answer for the week. Who wouldn't let go until he was blessed? Oh, I think this one's a pretty easy one, to be quite honest, this week. But uh, maybe uh, you uh, Old Testament lovers got it right. Maybe some people aren't some Old Testament lovers. The answer correctly would be Jacob. He would not let go of the angel, he said until he blessed him. So that brings us right into the next topic. Good segue, which is the real blessing. Oh, we're going to get into it. And just to make sure that the first topic segues into the overall theme of blessing, you want God's blessing in and on your life? Take back your mind. You'll have God's blessing. You'll be more inclined to receive God's blessing when you have your mind right. So get it right and keep it right. And you'll be more inclined. God will be more inclined to bless your life. Now, again, into the next one, the real blessing. When God blesses a nation, a state, a city, a county, whatever, understand that it's a beautiful thing to walk in his favor. If we got to vote for who's most likely to succeed in scripture, we most likely wouldn't pick Jacob because he was a wicked schemer, and yet God chose him as the one to name the nation of Israel after, and the one whose 12 children became the 12 patriarchs of Israel. God turned a wicked schemer into one of the most successful men in all of the Bible. That's what God can do. 
Hallelujah. Jacob may have not have been voted most likely to succeed, but he did it. And so can you. Israel all began with the blessing given to Jacob, like in the Bible trivia answer for the week from the angel he wrestled with. If we can get a clear understanding of the word blessing, then maybe we can get some blessing. A lot of people don't get blessed because they don't understand that blessing is real. We're reduced, we've reduced blessing down to a religious phrase in American culture. And that doesn't have, that doesn't have any real power to it. And because we've done this, and the way people see it as a result of this, people don't really understand the depth and meaning of what it means to truly be blessed by God. When Jacob got blessed, he got changed. The blessing of God is something real. It's tangible. And when God blesses you, not only will you know it, but everybody around you will know it too. Because the blessing of God is a real thing. The word blessed all throughout the Old Testament has one meaning. And it's the Hebrew word barak. And it means the favor of God comes upon someone to bring joy in their future. The favor of God is something you don't really deserve, to be quite honest. I know I don't. To understand that when God blesses you, he brings favor on your life. And that favor will communicate out in joy and happiness in your future. That means your kids will be successful. It means your life will be fruitful. It means you'll have good health. That'll give you a lot of years to be there for your kids and family. That's the word blessed. Blessed is more than something you say when somebody sneezes. Blessed is not some make-believe word like we've reduced it to. Jacob was a whole new man when he was blessed by God. Look at Genesis 26, 12 through 16. Being blessed is God touching every area of your life so that where you'd normally fail, you now succeed. And where your enemies try to shut you down, they can't because God is on your side. God can prosper you. God can prosper you so much that your enemies begin to envy you. All Jacob did was pray, bless me. And that's all you have to do as well once you understand what blessing really means. If the wicked, evil, lying, scheming Jacob can pray and get blessed, then what can the righteous, God-fearing, child of God who is serving him, what can God do for you? We've been taught for far too long and far too often that being prosperous is a violation or a wicked thing. But what the Bible shows us is that the blessing of God is very real. And if you don't want it, then you can happily give me yours because I will happily take it off your hands. The Bible says the Lord blessed Jacob and the Lord blessed Isaac. Now read Proverbs 18, 22. When a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing and obtains favor, which simply means God's blessing from the Lord. Simply put, when a man finds a wife, a good God-fearing and godly wife, he obtains God's blessing over in and through his life. Women, good and godly ones, will bring favor and blessing into a man's life. And it can't really be explained as to why that is, but it happens. Look at the stats. Look at the stats for yourself and see how God moves and how God blesses and how God opens doors. Look at Genesis 12, 2 through 3. He takes 
Abraham, who is a heathen and an idol worshiper, and says if he follows him, that he'll be blessed and a blessing to others. What a powerful promise. More than anything, you ought to be asking God to bless you, your family, your church, your finances, your work, your wife, etc. You ought to be praying these things every day because the Bible says he'll hear that prayer and bring it to pass. I highly recommend you take a deep dive into 2 Samuel 6, 11 through 12. Obed-Edom, his house, and all that belonged to him was blessed because the ark of God was in his house, which represented the blessing of God and his presence. That was a divine favor on this man's life. There was a divine favor on this man's life because he allowed the ark of God into his home. Why can't we be blessed? Number one, it's been taught out of us that somehow being blessed is fleshly and carnal, worldly, so on and so forth. And you're not supposed to seek these kinds of things. They'll have to erase a lot of scriptures from the Bible because the Bible says God will bless you and that he wants to bless you. Why does God want to bless you? Number one, not so you can walk around showing off, but so that you can give God glory. And number two, so that people you live with and work with can ask you, what is your secret? Then you can tell them, it's not your job, but that the secret of your life is the favor of God on it and on you. It's on you because of the fact you gave your life to Jesus, repented of your sins, and laid down your life to God. And doing these things are what will bring the blessing of God in and on your life. Too many people look for blessing in the wrong places. You won't find blessing in witchcraft or drugs or partying or clubbing or an excess, excess alcohol, sex outside of marriage between a man and a woman, etc. Blessing comes from God and it's very, very real. Salvation is a thriving, loving, open, honest, genuine, sincere relationship with God. It's not a ritual. So you need to understand that. You don't punch a punch card or a time clock with God and then go home. You worship God for real. You pray for real. You talk to God for real, etc. God sees your tears and he hears your cries and he sees your brokenness. So when in those moments, so when in those moments and, the, and times, seek him and do so sincerely and genuinely and ask for his blessing and he'll bless you. God is not bound up in some church building. You can cry out to him wherever you are, and he'll hear you and meet you right where you are. So don't think that he's just stuck in some four-wall thing, because that's not, God's omnipresent. He's everywhere. Cry out to him, call to him, he'll meet you where you are, and he'll answer your prayers, and he'll meet your needs. Blessing is a very real thing, like I said earlier. It's not just something you say when you greet people. It's not just something you say when someone sneezes. It's not just something when someone gives you something like a pair of shoes. The word blessed means barak. It means the favor of God that comes on your life so that your future can be filled with joy and happiness. This is the exact testimony of Jacob, of Abraham, of Jesus, and others that are alive today. They're truly blessed, and you can be blessed too. When you ask God to bless you, which you should do, he'll hear your prayer. 
make sure you give your life to him. Repent of your sins and lay your life down for him first. You can fight through life every day, or you could say, God, I'm your child. Bless me. Go read Deuteronomy 28 because it teaches the reality of blessing and cursing. And it begins with, if you hear and heed my commands, blessed you shall be. If you hear God's words and obey it, you can be blessed by God and you will be blessed by God. The blessing of God, like I've said a hundred times, is real. It's tangible. And that's the teaching of the Bible. And I ask that it be the experience of your life today. Claim the blessing of God today for your life. Have that power. Claim it. Say, I'm tired of living the way that I'm living. I'm tired of living for the world and for my flesh and for the evil things of life. What I want is to receive the blessing of God. I want to get that touch. Be like Jacob. He would not let go of that angel until he said, no, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. So be blessed. Seek that blessing. Pray for it each and every day and understand that it's not some ritualistic thing you say when someone sneezes or does this or does that. It's not a flippant thing. It's real. It's tangible. And it can be intertwined into your life every single day. If you but call on the name of the Lord, seek him, truly repent of your sins, truly trust in him and really ask for his favor, for his blessing over your life, in your life, and through your life. That you could be a blessing to others and not just be selfish with it. Be a man and, a, and or a woman of God that fears him in such a way that you wouldn't even dare to think about. You wouldn't crave or desire wickedness and evil. That's where you and I ought to want to be. And we could truly receive the blessing of God when we are in a place like that. Do you ever wonder what it'd be like to be able to listen to each and every episode seamlessly and without the interruptions of ads and sponsorships? Well, we've got some great news for you today. We've listened and are now doing something about it for you. Say hello to ad-free and sponsorship-free listening and many, many more exclusive benefits when you become a Crusader Plus today. To find out more about how you can become a Crusader Plus today, go to our website at links.thebigtimeusa.com or by clicking on the link in the show notes or episode description. Once on the website, click on the link No Truth Culture Plus under the No Truth Culture category. Follow No Truth and myself, Mr. Misunderstood, on all major social media platforms by going to our website at links.thebigtimeusa.com or by clicking on the link in the show notes or the episode description. And once you're on the website, click on social media. Become a Crusader Insider for free today by going to our website links.thebigtimeusa.com or by clicking on the link in the show notes or the episode description. And once you're on the website, just scroll to the bottom of the page and fill out your full name and email address in the proper fields and hit submit. And you'll officially be a Crusader Insider, which is going to gain you access to insider information, all the latest and greatest new things happening within our podcast franchise, companies, all the updates, promotions, offers, and future merchandise that's going to be coming soon and much, much more. You won't want to miss it. So make sure that you become a Crusader Insider 
today. Love after a long, long look. Here we go. The greatest miracle of marriage isn't love at first sight. Breaking news. It's not love at first sight. The greatest miracle of marriage is love after a long, long look. I'll say it again. The greatest miracle of marriage is love after a long, long look. It's February. And what does that mean? It means Valentine's Day. It means the month of love. International Day of Love is this month so on and so forth. So what better way to keep with the theme of what's going on in the month than to touch on this subject today. So that's what we're doing. A lot of people fall in love at first sight, but they end up divorced. So how do you hold it together for the long, long look? Instead of just being in love at first sight, staying in love, staying together, and loving one another as God intended you to do. Youth looks forward, old age looks backward, and middle age, well, middle age just looks worried. (laughs) Nobody has a perfect marriage. Understand that. Nobody, and I mean nobody, has a perfect marriage. Abraham and Sarah made it with all they went through, and so can you. Seven, there are seven ingredients you must have For your marriage to last the distance. Number one, to have a blessed and long lasting marriage, you must have faith, bold it, highlight it, all caps, whatever you want to do. Take notes, faith in God, not in man, not in this world, not in your spouse, not in your children, not in your phone, not in your work, in God. Hallelujah. 1 Peter 3, verses 5 7. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 12. I highly suggest you write that down, those verses down, and go and read them. You must have the threefold cord. And one is you, one is your spouse, but the other and the most important one you must have is God. And all three must be intertwined. It's like when you look at a triangle, okay? I got this picture from an old preacher. You look at a triangle, okay? When you're in a marriage, It's your spouse and you at the two bottom points, the two bottom points of the triangle. And as you get, as you both get closer to God, you both move up that triangle to the top, to where God is, the top of the triangle. You're both, you and your spouse are both moving toward God. You're both moving toward each other as you climb that triangle. When, if you look at a triangle, it's just basic. It's always, if you're moving up it on the sides, it's going up toward each other. That's what you're doing when you get closer to God in a marriage. You're getting closer to each other innately. It's just the way it goes. So understand that and know that and you'll be so much better off. God must be in the middle of your relationship, not in the behind, in the middle. Number two, you must accept. That's the word there. And number two, accept God's plan for the home. 1 Peter 3, 1, 1 Corinthians 11, 3, Galatians 3, 28. These are scripture references you ought to go write down and read. You must accept one another, one another's role, and the man is head of the home. He has the responsibility for and of the home. 
The man doesn't have greater privilege than the wife does. He does have greater responsibility though. Number three, you must have contentment. Learn the secret of contentment like Paul. 1 Timothy 6, 8, 1 Peter 3, 4. Like I said, I highly recommend you read these. God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. The Bible says, but to whom little isn't enough, nothing is enough. If you have the essentials in life, then you have what you need to be content. You can't and should never base the happiness of your life on material things. You ought to be meek, which doesn't mean weak. It means under control. Understand that. People think meek. They think weak. That is wrong. God doesn't want weak women. He doesn't want weak men. He wants meek women and he wants meek men. Number four, you must forgive. First Peter 3 verses 8 through 10. All married people must learn to forgive. I'll say it again. All married people must learn to forgive. You don't, it's over. The number one destroyer of homes is termites. That's studies, look it up. And I'm talking in literal terms. It's termites. It's the little things that get into your home, your family, your marriage, so on and so forth, that can do so much damage, like unforgiveness, bitterness, the spirit that carries a grudge, the spirit of rendering evil for evil, etc. There's levels that you can live life on. Level A is the hellish level, and it's the level where you give back evil for good. So if somebody does good to you, you're going to return that favor and, and in turn do evil for them. So even though they're treating you right, you're going to treat them evil. You're going to give them vindiction and just treat them like garbage. That's the first level. B, the human level. And it's the level where if you're good to me, then I'll be good to you. And C, the heavenly level. And it's the level where you give back good for evil. So even when people treat you wrong and in an evil way, you repay them with good. And that's the best level to live on. Stop fighting the human being you love the most and hug each other and just hold each other instead. It'll be transformative, that physical touch between you and your spouse. Number five, you must communicate. You don't, you fail. First Peter 3.20. 310, Proverbs 18, 21. Highly recommend you read them. You've got to learn to communicate with each other. You have to plan to do it too. Make four dates every week. The first date, A, make a daily date with God in prayer, reading his word, watching and listening to sermons, fasting. I'd recommend doing that at least once a week, so on and so forth. B, make a date with your kids and do something with them. C, plan a date with yourself for self-care and to recoup. Nothing wrong with that. D, make a date with your spouse. Get out of the house and avoid emotional, sensitive stuff when you go out on that date. Save that for another time because there's a time and a place for that. And I just don't recommend a, a date for that kind of uh, discussion. Just some words of wisdom. Number six, you must take part in romance with each other. First Peter 3, 7. There's nothing worse than to put down your spouse publicly. So I highly recommend you don't do that. Give sincere compliments and not cheap jokes. Show your spouse that they're your number one. You're, they're your number one human relationship in your life. Everybody needs 
sincere compliments and not flattery. Be spontaneous. Men don't always want to be the aggressor. Understand that. We don't. They also want to know that they're desired and wanted. Yes, yes, we do. How do you fight? Do you fight Eskimo style and just freeze up? Do you fight cowboy style and shoot them up and then leave them for dead? Or do you fight Houdini style? And rather than facing issues, you just disappear. Number seven, you must pray. You must learn to pray for each other and your family. You must learn to pray both together and by yourselves. The good news is that if Abraham and Sarah weren't perfect, that we don't have to be perfect either. We can have all kinds of stuff going on. And if we just keep coming back to God and his word, he can help us and fix the broken pieces. It's not in what you've lost. It's in what's left. And God can take what's left and he can bless it. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. How about you? Don't submit or get married to a man or a woman who's not submitted to God. Oh, how foolish you would be if you were to do that. And this is a perfect segue talking about the imperfections of Abraham and Sarah into my next topic about flawed humans being used by God. Because yes, flawed humans can and have been used by God because every human's flawed. It's just the innate reality of the human state. Understand that. Is it possible that it took God 40 years to work the self-sufficiency out of Moses' life? It could be put this way. Did it take 40 years for Moses to realize he couldn't do it on his own? Of course, God uses imperfect people. They're the only kind that exists, like I just said. Look at Exodus 3, 10 through 11, verse 13. Exodus 4, verses 1 through 4, and then 10. Acts 7.22, Moses said to God that he's slow of speech and slow of tongue, which is provable, it's provably untrue, as stated in Acts 7.22. Understand that the Bible never said Moses has a speech impediment like so many of us has, have believed in the past. I can't say that I have, but I don't really remember, so I, I don't know. But a lot of people have been under the impression that Moses, that the Bible says that Moses has a speech impediment. Moses said that himself. The Bible says the complete opposite of that in Acts 7.22. It's important to know and understand this because what you believe about yourself might not be what the Bible says about you. Don't fight or argue with God and understand that if he calls you to do something, it's not your abilities or what you think is a lack thereof that he needs to get you to do and complete it. It's his ability. Moses spent two chapters, Exodus 3 and Exodus 4, arguing with God about his lack of abilities and his weaknesses that he thinks make it to where he can't do what God wants him to do. He even tells God to use someone else. Go look it up. All he needed to do was shut up and trust that it's God's ability through him that'll get it done. Look at Exodus 4, 18, and then 20 through 25. Four things Moses had that you need to fulfill God's purpose, calling, and will for your life. Number one, mission. He gets a mission from God, and you can get a mission from God as well. 
to ministry. The rod of God was the ministry. It was an, it was the illustration, the, um, I can't think of the word, but it was the ministry. It was the um, example of ministry. You know what I'm talking about. Moses's rod was always called the rod of Moses until he laid it down and then it became the rod of God. So understand that you'll always have abilities and, and things you can do, but they'll always be your abilities until you lay them down and allow them to become God's abilities. So whether you're gifted at, so whatever you're gifted at and whatever abilities you have will always be yours, like I just said, until you lay it down for God and then it can become his. Your ability can come around and bite you. So be very careful. A lot of people fail because of their strengths and not because of their weaknesses. I'll say it again because that is extremely powerful. A lot of people fail because of their strengths, strengths, and not because of their weaknesses. Number three, miracles. He gets miracles and is told not to forget to use or perform them. And you can get miracles as well. Four, message. He got a message from God and so can you. In verses 24 through 25 of Exodus 4, God was going to kill Moses until his wife stepped in and circumcised their son. God was going to kill Moses because he was going to preach. He was going to preach something that he wasn't living in his own family. And let me tell you, God don't like that too much. Circumcision represents salvation. It represents the circumcision of the heart, the Bible says, where God cuts the flesh off in Colossians 2. This happens when we're burned with him, or I'm sorry, buried with him in baptism, that he circumcises our hearts. So it's very, very important to him. Moses and his wife's and his two sons were separated. So understand that if God still used him, then he could still use you too. Look at Exodus 18, 1 through 3, 5 through 6, and 8. Include your wife and your kids in what God's calling you to do. Make sure your wife and kids see what God's calling you to do. Make a good impartation into your wife and kids by how they see you fulfill your call. Moses' wife and kids missed out on seeing all the miracles God did through him because they had a fight. And he sent his wife and kids back to live with their father, Jethro. Moses not only had problems with his wife and kids, he had problems with his brother and sister too. Look at Numbers 12, 1 through 2 and 4 through 8. Moses was imperfect. And yet he was still used by God to put forth the 10 plagues, to speak to a rock and have water come out of it, to lift up his rod and part the Red Sea, and to go up to Mount Sinai and come down with the 10 commandments. Here's what you need to understand, that when you become a part of Christ's body, you don't have to defend yourself anymore because God will defend you. Even though we're humans and we make mistakes, God can and will still use you in a great, mighty, powerful, miraculous, and divine way. Give your life to Jesus so he can use you. Ask God, how do you want to use me? Ask God if there's someone that he wants you to do something divine through you to help that person. Second Peter 1-4 through 4, We become partakers of the divine nature. Everyone used by God in scripture was human. So understand that you're human too. You're imperfect. Moses and Zipporah were imperfect, yet God still used Moses to do incredible things, and he was imperfect. So understand that God can use you too. You're divinely human.
understand that. And you're a partaker in all that God wants to do in and through the world because of what Christ did for you and for me by dying upon the cross and shedding his blood so that we could have forgiveness. It's truly and utterly powerful stuff. If you really think about it, understand that. It's just, it's an incredible thing. Which brings me into the next thing I want to talk about, and that is glorification. Before we can revolutionize the world, we must first revolutionize, I don't know, the church. And before we can revolutionize the church, we must first revolutionize our own lives. This is what revival is all about. We will be transfigured, and it's called glorification. We're called to glorify God, but the incredible truth is that God is going to glorify us. Look at Matt 17, verse 2. Justification is our position. Sanctification is our condition. And it's God's purpose to bring our condition in line with our position. And we become more and more Christ-like. And it's the work of the Holy Spirit to facilitate that and bring it to pass. This is all going somewhere. And that's to glorification. If justification is our position and sanctification is our condition, then glorification is our destination. It's where we're moving to. And the Holy Spirit is the operating force in that. 2 Corinthians 3, verses 16 through 18. Highly recommend you take a gander at it. There's a transformative work going on in us through the work of the Holy Spirit to bring us closer and closer and closer. One step of glory to another, and it's all going somewhere to one day when we'll be like him because we'll see him as he is. Glorification is adoption. It's when the adoption is complete. That's when our glorified nature will be a reality. And what a glorious day this will be. This is the highest and most important thing that can happen to a Christian. Look at John 1 verse 12. When you receive Christ, you are given the right to become children of God, to be adopted into the family of God. We're given equal standing to Jesus Christ by adoption. I'll say it again. We're given equal standing to Jesus Christ by adoption. Abba Father is a term of endearment, a term of relationship. Look at 1 John 3 verses 1 through 3. If we get inside of us that we're indeed children of God, it would cause us to purify our lives. We'd want to live a good and godly life if we just get this inside of us. The Holy Spirit is God's down payment in our hearts that there's a fantastic future ahead called glorification. A part of that destination has to do with the road that takes us there. And the scriptures are very clear. It involves suffering, which not many people like to hear because nobody likes to suffer. But that's the reality of the Christian walk, my friend. God blesses you with the opportunity, I'll say opportunity, to suffer. That's his blessing to you. In this life, you'll suffer. You'll go through things, suffer setbacks, go through and suffer persecution, suffer temptations. You'll suffer through trials, trying to be godly in an ungodly, evil age. You'll suffer spiritual warfare. The cross is an instrument of suffering. And in order to serve Christ, we must take up our cross, carry it, and follow him. All of creation is affected by sin. Ain't none of it 
unaffected. Evil is live spelled backwards. If you're going to live, then you're, you'll be going against evil. That's just the way it is. We should be eagerly waiting for the adoption and redemption of our bodies. And if you're not eagerly waiting for it, I'll tell you, I can't wait to be with Jesus in paradise because this life is not always the easiest to navigate through. But man, I'm excited that I get to be adopted into his family and glorified in, in him. Hallelujah. We should have a great reason to live lives full of hope because we have the reality of a God who loves us. Romans 8 is a crown jewel of the Bible because it points us to the love of Christ. The one thing we can know with all that we go through is that God loves us incredibly. And because of that, the scriptures say that we can live our lives with what? With hope. Romans 8, 28. This is all going to work out for our good. Why? Because we are the called. God has called us according to his purpose. What is his purpose? His purpose is to adopt us and to glorify in our lives. And so whoever and so whatever happens in life and how bad it might seem, it's all working out for our good. We're almost there. Where's there? Our final destiny, our destination, where we are glorified. Hallelujah. If this gets in us, we can go through anything. The Holy Spirit is an ever-present source. So allow him to be your ever-present source. His love is so strong and so powerful that it can't be taken away from us. Go look it up. You can't be, we can't be separated from his love. His love is a rock we can cling to. Whatever you're going through, his love is an anchor of hope. It's a lamp to guide us in our darkness. And it's a source of strength in any challenge or adversity that you are facing. Just stay connected to Jesus and you're not connected to Jesus. And if you're not connected to Jesus, better get connected. I highly recommend you get connected to Jesus because it'll change your life. It'll change your life, my friend. Like straight up change it. It'll change your life. I can't say that enough. I say it five more times, maybe six, maybe seven more times because it's hashtag truth. So you need to finish strong. You can do better than you're doing right now. You can do better than you're doing right now. You can finish stronger than you are right now. There's two pathways you can choose to go down. Number one, the path where you start strong, but somewhere along the way, you lose your way and you fall away. This is the person who starts out well with the right intentions, but something happens along the way Maybe they get hurt. Maybe God, family, you know, a preacher, a friend, something disappointed them and they're no longer in the fight or in the field waiting on the Lord. Sometimes people get ahead of God because they don't wait on him and it carries them out to be out of the will of God, out of his timing, out of the season of God. And they get discouraged and they give up because it carries them out causes them to get out of it. Then there's those who don't count the costs. God says to count the costs. If you're not counting the costs of serving him, 
uh, let me pray for you. They don't think there'll be, there'll be trials and tribulations. Wow. If you don't think that in Christianity, I don't know what Bible you're reading. This discourages people because now it costs them something. And so they give up. Yep. For many, it does. Go read this, the, the parable about the, seed, the sower of seeds and how seed falls on this ground. This happens and so on and so forth. It's in Matthew. Some, it's in the Gospels. I know it's in Matthew. If that doesn't get them, then there's always the pole of the world and the devil to trip them up and they give up. Always be aware that you can fall away. So be humble and rely on God and not on yourself. Number two, the second path. The path where you finish stronger than you started. This is where you don't let your oil run out and you don't let your past become greater than your future. Jesus always saves the best for last. So understand that. If Jesus always saves the best for last, let me tell you something. The devil gives the best up front. He'll always give you the best up front. And then it's just down, down, downhill from there. Let me be honest with you. That's just the way it goes. The enemy deceives people and you have to make up your mind that I'm going to finish stronger than when I started. I did not start out to fail. There's countless ways to get tripped up. So you have to understand that and rely upon the Lord because you can get tripped up by the devil and you can quit. But I highly recommend you don't do that. You trust in God. There's more than one way to get lost. Luke 15 shows us that there's Three ways to get lost. Three ways people can get lost. Number one, the lost sheep. This is a person who gets lost because they're, they've wandered away. They didn't intend to get lost, but they just keep nibbling and got some distance between themselves and the shepherd. If you're a sheep, when you've wandered off and gotten lost, you have a want to go back. And when the shepherd calls you, you go back. If you're a goat, however, when you wander off and get lost, you don't want to go back. You want nothing to do with God. You're set in your ways and that's it. So you're either a sheep or a goat. Which one are you? And there's number two, the lost son. This is the person who doesn't wander away. They walk away intentionally. You know what you're doing and want to do things your own way because you think you know best. It's interesting that the shepherd was commanded to go and get the lost sheep, but the father never leaves to go and get the lost son because he can't find the lost son. The lost son has to go and find himself. Look at Luke 15, 17. You can come to yourself like the prodigal son did because you don't have to stay stuck in sin. Then there's number three, the lost coin. This is the person who is in the house of God, but is lost. You can be lost in church because you're too busy playing religious games. You can't be used of God when you're lost, even if you're lost in church and God wants to use you. So get the dirt off of you and get out of your life so God can use you. Let the Holy Spirit sweep the dirt off of you, out of your life, out of your heart. The Bible says the son who started out strong but fell away was never seen again. So don't let that be you. The second son stumbled out of the starting gate, ran with the wrong crowd, but he finished strong. And let me tell you something, you can start bad, but end good as well. You can start bad, but end well. So understand that just because you had a bad start doesn't mean you have to stay there. The one who starts bad, but ends good is far greater than the one who starts good, but ends bad in the eyes of Jesus. It's not enough to start out on fire for God. 
you must remain on fire for him. Decide right now that you're going to finish strong and finish stronger than you started, my friends. And that leads us into the last segment of the program, the send-off, the feel-good story of the week is here. Oh, is it going to be about a dog, maybe a cat, maybe a boa constrictor, maybe a car, maybe an onion, maybe a mushroom, none of the above. It's about a South Carolina family raises over 262k for a 72-year-old Domino's employee who fell delivering pizzas. Let's get into it. After witnessing a Domino's employee fall while delivering pizza to their home earlier this month, a South Carolina family wanted to bless the hardworking woman who is about to retire by giving her a generous tip. Lacey Karen and her family decided they were going to create a GoFundMe account to give the final tip for 72-year-old Barbara Gillespie as much exposure as possible. Kieran shared the fundraiser on her Facebook page and it took off, raising over $262,000 for the delivery driver as of Thursday night. She is an older woman who fell and only cared about the food she dropped. Let's show her some kindness and take off some of this burden that our economy is causing the older generation especially, Kieran wrote in the fundraiser's description. In a TikTok update on February 9th, Kieran and Gillespie put in her two-week notice and is officially retiring. In 2022, Gillespie was honored with her store's Team Member of the Year Award. In a statement to Fox Television Stations, Domino said, Gillespie is a beloved member of our family. She is also a favorite of our customers and always has a smile on her face. We are all very thrilled that these caring customers were able to help her transform her life so meaningfully. We are very happy for her. The statement continued. Doorbell camera footage posted on Kira's TikTok page showed Gillespie deliver pizzas to the family's home on February 2nd. When she stepped up onto the porch, she tripped and dropped a bag and a few pizzas boxes she was carrying. Kieran's husband is then seen coming out the front door and offering to help the woman get back up. Kieran told Fox TV stations her family talks with Gillespie on a daily basis. She said her family was motivated to bless Gillespie because both her father and father-in-law retired late in life and both died from terminal cancer. It really resonated in our hearts when we saw her still working at her age and reminded us, us of both our fathers, she continued. The state in South Carolina reported that Kieran contacted the local Domino's manager to get Gillespie's last name so she could make her the beneficiary on the GoFundMe account. The media outlet also said Kieran and her daughters visited the Domino's store Gillespie worked at to tell her the good news in person. Gillespie's last day with Domino's was Thursday, February 16th, according to the state. Kieran said Gillespie plans to take a cruise and travel to Europe during her retirement. Man, riding off into the sunset, isn't that the way to do her? That's praise God, you know, people working hard, 72 years old, happens to fall down apparently at the right door and uh, cares about the food that has fallen and uh, gets uh, scuffed up or roughed up or whatever because she cares, takes pride in her work and wants to make sure that, you know, people are getting the food they pay for and so on and so forth. And Come to find out these people that she's delivering to to have she had this accident at their house dropping the pizzas. She's apparently in good hands because they see a need and start raising money for her. And now she can retire and take a cruise. It's what paying it forward is all about. 
This is biblical stuff. This is the heart of God is seeing a need and meeting it, taking care of the widows and the orphans and the elderly of our population and meeting those needs and helping them get back on their feet and get retired and giving them the life they deserve. Because they've lived, she lived a full life. I'm sure she worked the majority of her life. Now it's time to take a load off and, uh, you know, retire. And I would say do nothing because then that's not, that's usually a recipe for disaster, but you know, do some things that she might enjoy and uh, that bring her happiness and peace and maybe spend time with some family. But uh, she's riding off into the sunset because of this GoFundMe account that was funded on her behalf. And that's what God's all about. So I want to end off on that story. And uh, let's just let's just pray. Jesus, I come before you and I just pray. I thank you for heroic people that step up to the plate and see a need and meet it. And I just pray for each and every one of these people that are within the sound of my voice. You, specifically, hearing me right now. I pray for you. I pray that God heal you, that he save you, that he touch you, that he deliver you, and that he bless you. And that you understand what real blessing is all about. And that it's tangible. And that if Jacob could grab onto an angel and say, I'm not letting go until you bless me, that you can too. And God, I pray and ask that you bless this person on the other end of these, of this microphone, that within the sound of my voice, you listening to me right now, I pray that God would bless you, that God would touch your life, that he would save you and pull you up out of the muck and out of the mire and dust you off and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are a child of the one true king, that you are born again if you repent of your sins and trust in him. And I pray that you do that right now and you just cry out to him and be filled with his Holy Spirit and be touched in a genuine and supernatural and mighty and powerful way. And I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. And with that, I bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to this episode. No Truth Culture is created, recorded, edited, and produced by our production company, Pearly Gates USA, which is owned and operated by our parent company, The Big Time USA. Make sure that you follow the podcast and turn the notifications on by hitting the icon so that you get alerted about every new episode as soon as it's released. Do you hate listening to ads and sponsorships? Well, say hello to ad-free and sponsorship-free listening, and much, much more exclusive benefits when you become a Crusader Plus today. To find out more about how you can become a Crusader Plus today, go to our website at links.thebigtimeusa.com or click on the link in the show notes or episode description. Once on the website, click on the link No Truth Culture Plus under the No Truth Culture category. To make a one-time financial gift, you can go to our website at links.thebigtimeusa.com or by clicking on the link in the show notes or episode description. And once you're on the website, click on support. With your financial support, you make all of this possible. So thank you. Well, the Band-Aid has been ripped off. So it's time to ask yourself one final question. Has the truth set you free so that you could be free indeed? For myself, Mr. Misunderstood, and the rest of our team here at Pearly Gates USA and the Big Time USA, thank you so much for your loyal listening, and we look forward to you listening again next episode.